Welcome to the LBCF podcast. Our vision is to learn to live and love like Jesus, where we live, work, and play. To find out more about our community, you can visit us at lbcf.org. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by this teaching from our community. Good morning. My name is Rob, Rob Smith. I am a member of the teaching team here. If you don't know, if you are new or visiting, we have a a teaching team uh, devoted and dedicated to the teaching of Scripture, and we believe that we are a priesthood of all believers. And so uh, we are members of the community. Uh, We're not necessarily all ordained pastors, but we believe in Scripture and and God's Word and the authority that it brings uh, to our community here. So I I have the privilege of of coming before you today and and sharing just a a short devotional uh, and and some Scripture with you and and a little bit about who I am and what I like to do. Um, I, if you don't know, I am a high school teacher. I teach government. I teach economics. Um, And uh, one of the things that I absolutely love to do in every opportunity that I have is to get my students moving and up and out of their desks. Okay, so um, I want to start us off um, with, with a bit of an activity, but before I do that, We've been in this series called, What Are We Saying? Okay? And the word that we're focusing on today is the word discipleship. Okay? Discipleship. And one way that I feel like we can emulate discipleship, and one way that I feel like I can show you and give you an example of discipleship, is to share an activity that I do with my students. Um, So... This is going to require, if you are able, to stand and maybe give yourself a little bit of space. Um, If you would like to participate, okay, I would encourage you to participate because I think it will hammer home the idea of discipleship. So, please rise if you are able, spread yourselves out a little bit, and I'm going to, I want to know how well, how good are you at counting to six, okay? So, if you can count to six, you can do this activity. I'm going to stand up a little bit higher so you guys can see me because As any good teacher does, a teacher models, and then students follow direction. So, if you can count to six, please raise your left hand. Left hand. How many of you raised your right hand? Ooh. All right. Now, with your left hand, I want you to try to follow along with what I do. I will face away from you so that you can see what I do. It'll be one, two, three, four, five, six. Ready? Go. Two three, four, five, six. Okay, that's your left hand. Now, with your right hand, it's going to be one, two, three, four, five, six. Ready, go. Two, three, four, five, six. Okay, now we're going to put it all together, and it's going to look something like this. One, two, three, four, five, six. Ready, go. I'll do it one more time for you. It should look like this. One, two, three, four, five, six. Ready, go. All right, thank you guys. Have a seat. All right. What's the point? How does this connect to discipleship? Why on earth did I come to church and have to flail my arms around like I'm a person drowning in a pool, right? This, I feel like, models discipleship so well. So some context. I do this at the beginning of my economics class every year. 
the reason I do this is, or how I do this with my students is I divide them into groups, and each group is to, uh, purpose is to learn how to do this together. And each team will then come to me and prove that they can do it together, do it in unison, and do it cleanly without any, any mess-ups, and then their job is to go and teach another team and help another team learn so that by the end of our first day in class, the entire class can get uh, all together, and before we leave, I will say, okay, count to six. One, two, three, four, five, six. And some of them, just like me, can start doing it while still talking to you and be able to go through the motions and have it down so clearly that they can have a whole conversation with you while flailing their arms around. I do this to such an extent that I will see my students around campus now <laughs> teaching other students who are not even in my classroom, right? Because they want those students to get a head start because I teach all seniors and they're teaching the, the juniors and the sophomores and the freshmen in my classes so that by the time that those underclassmen reach my class, they have some understanding of how to count to six. So they've already got an advantage by the time they get to my, my room. So how does this connect to discipleship? Well, church, this is literally the definition of discipleship, right? The word discipleship means or is from the same root word of discipline. Now, discipline is not like the finger-wagging, you know, like ruler-on-the-wrist type of thing of discipline. Discipline, discipleship, means to commit oneself to the study and the learning and whatever it is that you are striving to accomplish. But beyond that, we are called into discipleship to learn and to study and to grow with one another, right? Our scripture today, this morning, is Luke 9, 23 through 26, Jesus is talking with his disciples. And his disciples are wanting to know, like, uh, like Lord, you know, we want to follow you. And, and this is like Jesus is trying to, to communicate to them just to the full extent of which uh, he has to suffer in order to endure the ministry that is him, right? Um, and so he said to all, if anyone would come after me, meaning at this time, uh, come after me at this point in history meant basically to become a disciple. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life uh, for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words... Of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Right? Oftentimes, I feel like we read this scripture and we read it as like a dire warning of like, if you do not do this, and then therefore, blah, 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 you will be forgotten. I, I kind of started reading this and I, I took it a little bit differently, I think, after a few, few readings. It doesn't feel so much as like a dire warning to us all. It feels like an invitation. It feels like an invitation into the true meaning of what discipleship is. It feels like an invitation to join together in a situation like we just did 
where we can learn and try to do things together as a group and strive towards a common goal and strive towards the goodness of each other as one body of believers, right? Jesus clearly commands three things of us at the very beginning of the scripture. He says, one, deny yourself. Now, deny yourself is not simply just the deny yourself of simple worldly pleasures of like cupcakes or pizza or sleeping in and not waking up early. No, denying yourself in this case is Jesus talking about set your pride aside. Set your ego aside. Allow yourself to understand that you do not control the universe. You do not control the world. You do not control your surroundings. You do not have control over that. So why worry about it? Why stress about it? Why why worry about things that you cannot control when Jesus Christ is Lord of all, reigns over all, and he is the author of all? Second command, take up your cross, right? This, This is the willingness and the ability to have and commit to study and learning and growth and to um, take upon yourself the moniker of believer, the moniker of Christian, the moniker and the, the devotion to the study of your craft and not waver under any ridicule, right? To the point that you almost to some extent know that you will endure some sort of rejection for the study and your faith and the belief that you have. And the third thing that Christ commands is to follow me. And in this day, follow me simply meant to join in the the company. So Jesus is basically saying, follow me. What he means is to join in the company of disciples and the believers who traveled in, uh, in ministry with Jesus. Jesus is literally inviting people into the ministry, right? So I want to take these three, and I want to apply it to the activity that we just did. How many of you denied yourselves when you finally stood up, right? Now, clearly, this is a silly little example, but I think it drives something home. You denied yourselves. You you were willing to deny your pride and say, you know what? Why not make a little bit of a fool of myself on a Sunday morning and have a little bit of fun and enjoy being silly with one another, right? You set your pride aside. You set your ego aside. You, you said, you know what? I'm going to set uh, all belief that I can control this, and I'm just going to commit to it, and I'm going to like just jump right in, right? You took up your cross. You were willing to learn it, right? Now, if we had more time, I would probably conduct it very much like my actual classroom, and we would probably be working on it and learning it. And if we were truly doing this in class, you would be committed to learning and studying and and trying to figure out how to do the motions and all that stuff. And then, follow me, right? You were willing to join in the fun. You were willing to join in with the group. You were willing to participate in the activity. Think, if you would, for a moment, of my classroom setting Imagine if I just had a student or a couple students who just decided to sit with their arms crossed, you know, go and, and willingly not participate. It would be no fun. They wouldn't enjoy the process. It would not be beneficial for them. It would not be beneficial for the class. It would not be something in which everybody would be able to enjoy. Luke 9, 23 through 
or uh, 26, in my mind, is not a dire warning. It is an invitation into joy. It is an invitation into freedom. It is an invitation into being a body of believers and having discipline and being willing to set our pride aside, being willing to uh, commit to the study and being willing to join in the ministry that is Jesus together. Discipleship is not just, oh, I learned something and I'm going to go teach something. It is, let's learn something together and be committed to learning this process, learning what it means to follow Jesus, and learning what it means to love one another in the middle of it all. Right? Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, right, and if we answer the call to discipleship, where will it lead us? What decisions and partings will it demand? To answer this question, we shall have to go to him. For only he knows the answer. Only Jesus Christ, who bids us follow him, knows the journey's end. But we do know that it will be a road of boundless mercy. Discipleship means joy. The joy and the freedom of joining together. The joy and the freedom of committing to study together. The joy and the freedom of experiencing Jesus' ministry together. So, every time I hear the word discipleship or disciple, I now think of my students. I will think of you waving your arms around. Uh, I think of any people, any group, any, any one, two, three, four, however many people, joining together and being committed to the study and of Scripture, being committed to loving one another, and being committed to joining in the ministry that is Jesus. The joy of releasing control, the joy of committing to learning, and the joy of entering into that ministry with one another towards the goal of Jesus. That, I believe, is discipleship. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we come before you so thankful. We come before you so joyful. We come before you set free. Set free in understanding that we don't control things, that we we take upon the commitment and the joy that is learning and studying you and participating in your ministry and joining in with those around us so that we can work towards your love and sharing your goodness. Father, we love you. We praise your name. Amen.